The following audio is from the Chapel at Fishhawk. More information about the Chapel at Fishhawk is available at www.thechapelfh.org. I want to just uh, open us in prayer, and um, I want to pray for Lisette because uh, Lewis just told me that she had or had her back surgery yesterday, still in a lot of pain. It's been something she's been planning for quite a long time. So let's be uh, let's be praying for her and open in prayer this morning, okay? Father, thank you very much for uh, just the time that we have to together this morning to worship you. Thank you for these great songs, Lord, that point us to you. And I just pray that as we look into your word this morning, God, that you'll uh, teach us, open our hearts, help us be receptive, help us to make the decisions that we should make when we confront your word in different areas of our life. And I just pray for Lisette in a special way, give her strength, heal her, uh, take away the pain, Lord, just help her... Uh, recover from this, and I pray that it's very successful, and things, uh, all this pain that she's been having for a long time, Lord, that will subside, and uh, we just thank you for the things you do for us, Lord. So bless us this morning, Lord, and bless the, the group that's coming from, uh, from a great week, and give them safety getting home today, and being with their families, in Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> By the way, with that group, that's why we're missing about 100 people this morning. They've got, they've got kids and kids and kids and kids. So we're, um, we're going to be looking at verses out of 2 Corinthians this morning. There's an outline in your bulletin. You want to take that out if you're a note taker. And uh, that, that'd be cool. Uh, one of our teens last uh, Sunday was taking notes. She said, you know, it's really, she's telling this to her dad. She said, it's really interesting. She said, sometimes you're giving to God in the right way. Or at least you think you are. And then sometimes maybe you're not. I just thought, well, that's kind of neat, you know. Our kids are thinking about that. And then last Sunday night, I was kind of doing a devotional with Silas and uh, Jackson and Savannah, and both Silas and Jackson were in the service uh, last Sunday, and they all picked up on everything. They picked up on Cain, on Abel, the widow, about giving God your first and all of that. And it was just kind of neat to see how God, God's word really can get into children's hearts, right? It's a neat thing, as well as ours. So that's cool. So last Sunday, we looked at our attitude in giving, being generous, how to approach a holy God. And uh, that was Proverbs 3, 9, and 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first of all you produce, and then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with new wine. That's a promise from the Lord of the universe. And blessings come our way when we honor God. So that's what, we're, what we talked about last week. In fact, last week we talked about God having the potato chip bag full. So um, thank you, uh, uh, Bob and Louise, for bringing me a bunch of potato chip bags last week. And my address is 12305 Bay Astoria Bend if you want to bring me any chips this afternoon. But anyway, that's what we were talking about last week. God sees what we give. Um, we mentioned the widow last week. And uh, she was the lady in scripture that when Jesus was meeting with the disciples, he saw what she gave and he told them about it. And I kind of picture that widow getting to heaven and saying to Jesus, you know, I, I didn't know you saw me. And Jesus said, well, yes, I did see you. In fact, I told a lot of people about you. And you know, from that time to now, we've been talking about that widow, haven't we? 
And it's just a simple indication that God looks at our heart. That's what being generous is all about, how we give to him, how we give to others. And it's from deep within our heart. And at times we do it the right way. At times we may not even think about it and do it the wrong way. But God is looking for our hearts as we give to him. So last week, the attitude of giving. This week, the actions of giving. There's five principles in your outline this morning. And the first is giving will bring glory to God. And all of these passages essentially are out of the book of First and Second Corinthians. And Ryan's been preaching out of that section of the Bible. And at the beginning, those people didn't have a whole lot together as brand new believers. In fact, many times Paul says, you're just acting like the normal human being. You're not really acting like a spirit-controlled Christian. But they grew, and they changed. And now when you're reading the book of 2 Corinthians, you're seeing Paul praise them, thank them, and encourage them. So they've grown as a body over time. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, here's what Paul says about giving, bringing glory to God. He says, now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness and you will be enriched for everything in everything for all liberality, which means generosity, which through us is producing thanksgiving to God. So what's Paul saying? He's saying there's a giving cycle here. And he wants us to get into it. The more you sow, the more God gives you. And the more God gives you, the more we should sow. And it's a cycle. It's a blessing. God says, I'm supplying the seed to the sower, bread for food, and I'll supply and multiply your seed for what? For sowing. So that's, that's God supplying the soil, right, if you're a farmer, the seed and the water, all here. It's all available to us. And God says, I'm, gonna, I'm giving you these resources. Your job is simply to sow it. Like Paul said, I planted, Apollos watered, God gave the increase. So our responsibility is simply to get the seed out there, sow the things, give to God. Jesus says, give it and it will be given to you, sow and you'll reap, plant and you'll harvest, sow bountifully, you'll reap bountifully. All these are principles of the cycle of giving. It's a cycle God wants us to jump into us. Some of us are in that cycle, maybe many of us. Maybe some of us haven't learned to jump in there just yet. When I was in California, <clears throat> I had a shed out the side of the house, and I had a big sack of seed. Probably, I had that seed for probably six, seven years, and it just sat there. It didn't do anything. Nothing grew. And then when we moved here, I said, you know, this lawn's looking kind of rough. I need to kind of, you know, maybe sow a little bit more seed and get this thing to looking pretty good before we sell the house and all that. And I did that, and a beautiful lawn came up. But nothing happened to that seed until it got in the ground, until it got watered, until it got planted. And that's what God is just simply saying to us. And God gives us provision, skill, resources, abilities, talents, brains, 
and income, and he says, those are things I'm giving to you to use. He says, sow it, don't hoard it. If God blesses you, don't stuff it away. Like the guy in the scripture that Jesus gave us the example of said, this man had a bumper crop one year. And he decided that instead of doing the right thing with it, he was going to tear down all of his barns. And since he had so much, he was just going to build bigger barns and store it all. And Jesus said, you're a fool. Because tonight I'm requiring your soul. And he died. God says, I want you to use what I've given you. I want you to share it. There's a, a chapter in Matthew, Matthew 25. It's the chapter just before chapter 26 where Jesus is entering, entering Jerusalem for Passover and to be crucified and killed. Matthew 25 is a chapter about judgment. Talks about ten virgins. Talks about the parable of the talents. And talks about the parable of the sheep and the goats. In each case, God is dividing those who are his with those who are not his. And that's what the parable of the talents is about. A talent was quite a lot of money back then. A huge amount of money. Some people are estimating if it was in silver, it'd be at least a million and a half dollars. One talent. So if you multiply that times what the, the, the owner gave to the, to the, to the stewards, the, five, the three of them, he gave one five, he gave the other two, and he gave the last, how much? One. Five, two, and one. So you take five times a million and a half on the, on the low side, and frankly, you're looking at a lifetime of income. These are your wages. So God is saying, he's putting it in financial terms, in terms of how we use money. But he's also saying, this is the total of your resources in your life. How are you using that? And the one guy that had five made five more. The one guy that had two made two more. And Jesus said, well done, good and faithful servant. Then he got to the guy who, who had one, and that guy said, you know what? I really knew what kind of a God you were. And frankly, I knew what you were going to expect of me. But rather than really doing anything with this money, I just stuck it in the ground, and I buried it. So here it is. And Jesus said, that is a wicked and lazy slave. I'm going to take his one away, give it to the one who has five, and this wicked and lazy slave is going into outer darkness where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. judgment. God is going to evaluate us on how we lived our entire life. Those first two guys were believers. The one who had five, Jesus said, I'm giving these guys according to their ability. So the guy that had five had more responsibility, but he made five more. The guy that had two maybe had a little less ability, but he made two more. But the guy that had one didn't do anything. He didn't receive Christ. He didn't, he didn't give his life to God. He didn't use what God gave him for God's glory. 
That's a problem. There's a division. The ten virgins in Matthew 25, five of them had oil plus extra oil. The other five didn't think about that. So when the master came, the first five virgins got to go to heaven. The other five said, uh-oh, we don't have enough. Can you give us? And they said, no. And Jesus said, I don't know you. You're not mine. The sheep and the goats at the end of Matthew 25, same thing. God says, I'm going to put my sheep on my right hand and the goats on my left. These are going to come into my glory and share my blessing. The ones on the left, they're going elsewhere. The point is, as we use our life for God, God's going to bless us. God's going to give us heaven. God's going to give us eternity. God's going to give us peace and rest. God's going to take away all the junk that was in our life uh, in terms of this world and, and what pressures it puts upon us, and all of that's going to be gone. Is that going to be great? Amen. That's heaven. And that's part of what God is talking about in terms of the giving cycle. So giving will bring glory to God. And secondly... God wants us to decide prayerfully in our hearts in terms of how we give. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 says, Whoever sows sparingly shall reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So our harvest in life just everyday life is based on how we are sowing seeds. The farmer, how many of you have been experiencing a farm, like in Iowa or one, two, anybody else? Well, Melody was born in Fort Dodge, Iowa, so she understands farming. And she understands what it means to plant and, and water and, and pull the weeds on the crop and all that kind of stuff. Well, some years back, my my mother-in-law was working for a corn farmer in Iowa, and we went to visit him. Um, he probably had, I think, three to 5,000 acres of corn, huge amount of corn, and it was just about ready to harvest. And he was a great guy, and it was the first day that we were there, and Richard said to me, he said, Charlie, you want to go out and shoot? So he gave me a couple of guns and a rifle, and I went out, I went out through a gate, I went into a ravine, probably about 100, 200 yards away, and I just used up all the ammunition. Had a blast. On the way back, I noticed some cattle. I noticed the cattle going towards the gate that I went through. I also remembered I didn't lock the gate. And the farmer that I am, the rancher that I am, I am trying to get around to the front of this herd, right? To get it to go the other way. About 150 head. A few of those cattle pushed the gate a little bit and discovered it was open. What do you think the rest of the cattle did? They went through the gate. And they're out among all of the silos that he had in the, on the property. Went through the gate, 
cattle are where they're not supposed to be, and all of a sudden, one of the cattle decides they're going to go into the corn. All 150 head went into the corn. First visit, first day. Not so much fun, right? Feeling pretty dumb, pretty embarrassed. I don't know what the moral of this story is, but don't ruin somebody else's crop. How about that? All right? We had ranch hands out there, a helicopter. Took about three, four days to get those cattle back where they needed to be. But this guy had a beautiful crop of corn, about eight feet, some of it nine feet tall, because he did what he was supposed to do. And every farmer knows that unless you plant, you'll never have a harvest. So God's telling us in a special way in the Bible to keep planting in your life. Keep planting. Don't stop planting. And don't hoard what God has given you. If he blessed you in a, in a measurable way, keep giving that out. Keep harvesting, keep sowing, keep harvesting. Keep the cycle going because that will honor God. And so when the scripture says, when we are giving to God, we've got to do it from our heart. Decide prayerfully in our heart. Don't allow it to be a pressure decision. Paul tells these Corinthians, he says, you know, I don't want you to collect this offering that you're going to collect for the church in Jerusalem. I don't want you to collect that when I come because people are going to feel pressured that when the Apostle Paul shows up, the big guy, that all of a sudden they'll start giving. He said, I don't want it to happen that way. I want you to already put it aside and, and take it where it needs to go, and that will honor God. So that's point two. Decide prayerfully. Point three, plan your giving in proportion to your income. It says, on the first day of every week, let each one of you put aside and save as he may prosper, that no collections be made when I come. So the principle here is simply <coughs> giving should be a regular worship experience. And we kind of do a cheer at the end of the service in terms of giving our offering. That's fun, and that's the way it ought to be. This church has got a ton of good givers, and yet God challenges us all the time to Make sure that it's an act of regular worship. Sometimes through the year, the giving of the chapel changes, and that's true with other churches, but it's better if it just kind of stays where it should be. Because I don't know about you, but my mortgage company doesn't give me a, a month off, right? That bill comes every, every month to be paid on the first of the month. My electric bill comes on the, at the same time. My water bill comes at the same time. My cell phone bill comes at the same time. And all the bills that are involved in running a church ministry for all of us, they all come too. So Paul is saying, lay something aside every week. Now maybe you don't get paid every week, fine. Make it every other week. Maybe you get paid at the end of the month. God says, just make it an act of worship. And a lot of times, since my income, I'm a loan officer, so my income is kind of sporadic. But as soon as it's there, I, I write out a check. That's the first check I write. And sometimes, even in church, I just like to hold it for a little bit. <laughs> Not like I want to keep it. 
but I just kind of hold it. And I just, in my heart, in a quiet, and I just say, God, this is yours. This is, this is yours. God deserves the first and the finest of what we give. In fact, the farmer, when the farmers gave the first of their produce, like Solomon told them to do, they didn't know what the rest of the crop was going to do. Maybe they were going to have a problem with the rest of the crop. But they were, they were charged and encouraged to give at the beginning. Give it right off the top. And that's faith. And that's a decision we make. And God says, that's important to me. It's important. It shows that you trust me. It shows that you love me. And it shows that you're honoring me in special ways. It means a lot. You know, God has put feelings in us. God has feelings. Paul says, I want to please the Lord in everything I'm doing. Because pleasing the Lord makes God feel good. God sees the evil and the good everywhere on this planet with every human being on it. He sees it all the time, all at once. I, I would think that'd be, talk about politics, I would think that'd be a tremendous burden. But God knows what to do with it. And I want to be, and you want to be, one of those people that are pleasing the Lord because that makes God happy, that we bless him, that we thank him for all the provisions that we've been given. And it's a lot. We're sitting in this room. We're probably the top 10% and probably a little higher of anybody on this planet in terms of what we have, right? And God says, just honor me with that. Thank me with that. And that'll be... That'll be a blessing to him. When you go on vacation, when you're gone, when you're out of town, if you are looking at your giving and you are planning your giving, because that's very important to plan it, to plan, to pray, to budget, that's, that's part of learning our, our responsibility as stewards with what God has brought to us. And I think it's important to plan and pray with your family with the kids. Silas, Jackson and I last Sunday night were talking about how we give, how they give. Even in our Sunday school, we're asking parents bring and they give their children, you give your kids some offering money for their. I was trained that way as a kid. I learned how to give when I was about 14 years old. And early on as a, as a child in Sunday school was always bringing an offering. It meant something to me. But our budgeting is important, and our planning is important in terms of how we give. Because you've got to plan your giving in proportion to your income. And there's a guy on television. How many have ever seen the program called The Prophet? Nobody? Wow. It's a great financial program. It's sort of like the Shark Tank. You know what the Shark Tank is? How many know what that is? All right. Prophet usually comes along sometimes after. It's a guy who goes into a business <coughs> and um, helps it become a super business and takes a percentage of it, kind of like the Shark Tank program. But Marcus Lemonis is a tremendous business guy, and, and, he, and he, he'll get into any type of business because the principles in business are all the same. 
And the one principle he tells the people uh, who have the business, he says, if you don't know your numbers, you don't know your business. Some people that he works with really understand their numbers and how everything works. And one, uh, one group that he was working with made cupcakes. He says, how much does the frosting cost on the top of each cupcake? How much does the cupcake itself cost? How much does the little wrapper that goes around the cupcake, how much does that cost? And we're talking about a few pennies. He says, then you can project what your business is doing. Well, that's what we need to do as, as human beings. I know a lot of Christians who don't budget at all, kind of just play it by ear. But I like to budget. I like to know where God's resources are being used. Even when I get a credit card bill, I go through every item and I say, did I really need to spend that? Did I really need to spend that? Most of the time it's yes. And sometimes if it's a really no and I can take the thing back, I've done that too. But on my Excel sheet, God is the top. It's off the top. So I don't even think about keeping it. I think about it's God and I want him to have it. It's my worship. He's blessed me. I'm blessing him. Is that cool? Isn't that cool? The way it needs to be. And that's neat. So you plan your giving in proportion to your income. In the book of Malachi, God is saying, God, uh, God said to Israel, he said, you're robbing me. He said, how are you robbing you? <clears throat> God says, in tithes and offerings. Tithes and offerings. Now, Ryan said a couple of times, probably 20 times, he's really nervous about me talking about tithing. Don't be nervous with him. What is a tithe in the Bible? It's 10%. It means a tenth. The situation, however, in the Old Testament was a little different than what we understand. There were three tithes. One was the Levitical tithe. That was for the priest, because the priest had no inheritance. So God said, the priests are going to get scattered throughout all the 12 tribes of Israel. They're going to minister for me to the people. People, when they have a sin offering, they need to bring, and all the things that went on in the book of Leviticus, Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy, all those things are part of God's setup of a nation. It's a, a country. It's How do you run a country? Basically, the Levites ran the country. But they didn't have a stake in it, so every tribe had to give to the Levites a tenth of their income, each person, each family. Then there's a festival tithe, 10%, because God had seven different festivals through the year. He wanted all the people of Israel to gather together. Three of them were mandatory. One of them was Passover. That's why we found Jesus at Passover, who died on Passover, the same night that all those lambs were killed, uh, all those children were killed in Egypt when that death angel passed over. Well, that tithe was to provide a way for those people to get where they needed to go. Many of them had to travel quite a ways to get to Jerusalem. And when they got there, they were to give offerings when they were there. So that's the festival tithe. Then there's a poor tithe. 
and it was collected over three years. So every three years, every year you put it away, and every, the third year you gave it. So essentially what Israel was doing was giving 23%. It was required giving. And it's basically like our taxation today. We give money to our government, the federal government. In Florida, I found out when I moved here, there's no Florida state tax, right? kind of nice, but our property taxes kind of make up the difference, don't they? So I, I, I'm just amazed at the property taxes here, probably double. Of course, we had bought a house back in 80, so our taxes was quite, quite low back then. So anyway, the point is there's required giving, and then there's free will giving. And the free will giving could have exceeded the, the other, but the point is, we pay taxes in our day, and we give free will offerings in our day. But our taxes go to the government. So the 10% thing that people have talked about from the Old Testament is really, it's really different. It's different. In fact, I'm going to read you a passage. Listen to this very carefully. I should have written it in your, in your uh, outline sheet, but you can write, write it down. It's Deuteronomy 16, 10, and 17. It says, then you shall celebrate the Feast of Weeks to the Lord your God, this is one of those festivals, with a tribute of a free will offering of your hand, which, you'll, which you shall give just as the Lord God blesses you. Every man shall give as he's able, according to the blessing of the Lord your God, which he has given you. Now, if you go back to that verse that we read earlier, it, Paul says, give it the first day of every week and put aside and save as he may prosper. So I, I just personally believe that 10% is a good place to start. But it's not a law. It's not a New Testament law. You want to give 10% or 12 or 15 or 20? Do that. But remember, it's according to how God has really blessed you. Why is it this way? God had required giving, and that's why in Malachi, he said, you're robbing me. You're really hurting the nation. You're hurting the temple. You're hurting the priest. You're not giving correctly. And you're not even giving your offerings to me either. Your free will, heartful offering. You're not doing that. You're robbing God. I don't want to do that. I don't think anybody here wants to do that. That's why the, the nation of Israel at the end of the Bible was in bad shape. They've been given the, the brand new temple that was rebuilt, and now they've gone right down, right down the same old hole again. And they weren't giving to God in a proper way. They weren't blessing him. They were divorcing their wives for even burning the toast. Can you imagine that? Your wife burns the toast, and you say, ah, I'll write her a certificate of divorce. Uh, it's just silly. But that's what they were doing. You can read the book of Malachi. It's only four chapters. It wasn't a good scene. So God is saying to us, give as you prosper. Abel brought his best. We don't know what the percentage was. Abraham 
prior to any commandments of God regarding tithing, when he had a battle with Shurdom, Shurdom Lomer uh, and won that battle, he gave 10% of that spoil to a priest called Melchizedek. And Melchizedek was a forever priest, not like the Levitical priests in the Old Testament. It's a different priesthood, an eternal priesthood that Jesus is a part of. Jesus was not a part of the Aaronic priesthood. He was not from the tribe of Levi. He was from the tribe of Judah that produced Joseph and Mary and Jesus. That's how Jesus came. But his priesthood was from Melchizedek. And just out of the goodness of Abraham's heart, realizing some people think Melchizedek is Jesus himself. I don't believe that. But he's a unique figure in the Bible. We see him in Hebrews also. But he was a priest forever, had no beginning of days, no end of days. Something kind of quite unique. And that's the priesthood that Jesus belongs to. Abraham recognized that when Melchizedek came. That's why he gave him a tenth. It was like giving to God. Gave him a tenth. Just out of his heart. And then, of course, there's Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus gave 50% when he became a Christian. Then there was the widow who gave everything she had to live on that day. And I know that God blessed that widow on the next day. Right? Bless that widow. Yeah, she didn't die. God blessed her. So, Barna, George Barna does a lot of surveying and studies and talking about believers. He said, well, it's true that born-again believers, statistically, only 9% give 10% or more. 9% of born-again believers. Now, bottom line, over all the congregations across our country, it doesn't help very much. Someone actually said that, calculated, if every born-again believer was on welfare and still gave a tenth, all church giving would, would, across the nation would double. So everybody on welfare, given 10%, all that income would double. And it's important when you think about it because we've got needs. And when, when Jesus is saying, or Paul is saying about giving as you prosper, well, let's say you make $50,000. What's 10% of 50,000? Huh? 5,000. Let's say you make $200,000. What's 50% of 200,000? Huh? Okay. How much money does the person who made 50,000 get to retain? 45,000. How much money does the person who makes 200,000 get to retain? 180. See the difference? That's why we have a graduated tax system in our country based on income. Why wouldn't we give to God based on how he's prospered us? There's a guy who's since died. Many people I could example, but his name was R.G. Letourneau, and he actually invented and made most of the huge earth-moving equipment that you see. 
and his commitment at the end of his life, and through his life actually, was to give 90% of his income away. Do you think he had enough to live on? Yeah, he did. But the point was, he wanted to give it to God. Even, and I don't know if, um, of, um, uh, missing his name, um, who's one of the richest guys around? Huh? Who's the other one? Buffett. I don't know why I couldn't bring that up. Warren Buffett, when he was first married, went to his wife. He said, honey, we are going to make a lot of money. I don't know how he knew that, but he knew that. And then he said to her, and we're going to give it all away. Maybe that's, maybe that's a sign of a blip. I have no idea. I really don't know. But it's kind of interesting because everybody knows you can't take it with you. But when you store up treasure in heaven like Jesus told us to do, then that's what he wants us to do. So it just makes sense. It makes sense to do it God's way and to bless him and to honor him. And point three, prioritize your church family. Very important. 1 Corinthians 9 says, Don't you know that those who perform sacred services eat the food of the temple? And those who attend to the altar have their share with the altar? So also the Lord directed those who proclaim the gospel to get their living from the gospel. So bottom line, in the Old Testament, nothing really has changed. There was taxation there, free will giving there. In our day, there's taxation and there's free will giving. Give as God prospers you. And when it comes to where you give that money, Malachi says, bring it to the storehouse because that's your church family. So that's, to me, where the bulk of our giving needs to go. And I've always, personally, Melody and I, all through these years, have given it there. We give to missionaries, too. We give to special projects. There's special needs. Moses had a special need in the Old Testament. He just asked the people to give because they're going to build a temple. So there's building funds. There's things like that that go on. That's part of special needs. That's okay. There's always more that God will give us, as he says, that when the needs arise, the money will be there and we'll be able to share it. So the Old Testament priests had the same issue. They got to participate in the offering. They also gave 10%. So I believe the pastors in the New Testament, I know a few who don't, but I believe that it was our belief, me and my wife, that we were responsible to learn how to give as well. So we gave to the, the church that we were pastoring. And that's just normal. It's natural. And that's the way it should be. And there's a lot of other ways that we can use God's resources. And lastly, let your generosity spill over to other people. This, for this ministry of service is not only fulfilling the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing through many thanksgivings to God. So this offering that Paul was collecting for the church in Jerusalem, they were having some very difficult financial problems. And Paul said, I want to I take the, the money that you're giving, and he didn't get it just from the Corinthian church. There were other churches that he administered to, and he was going around, he was 
is collecting all of this and is going to take it to, to the saints at Jerusalem. But in doing that, he realized that this is going to bring everyone to thank God. And the church in Corinth was, was, had become a great, generous church. And being a generous person in our neighborhood, frankly, is how we promote the gospel. Think of it. When you give to people, I just talked to a gal that was in my commerce, my commerce group uh, last Wednesday, and she said, I'm having this toughest time with this coworker of mine. And I said, I just said to her, and, and she's kind of cursing about it and kind of doing some other things. <laughs> she's a funny person, but I said, have you thought about just giving her something? Doing something special for her. Sometimes when people have bad attitudes at work, because something else is going on in their life, right? Something's not, not, not all lined up correctly, and sometimes it's just kind of coming out at work. I said, just, just reach out to her in some way. She says, I don't know if I can do that. I said, well, pray about it, because she's a believer. She said, pray about just being generous to people that are around you. What did, how did Jesus minister? The Bible says he went around doing what? Good. He went about doing good. That's the ministry. When you're a generous person and you're just giving here and there, people come into your business, people that you meet in your business, people in my business. My business is not about filling out contracts. It's about meeting people meeting needs, sharing things with people, helping people. Whether business comes your way or not, just help them give because giving, Jesus said you've been freely given, why don't you just freely give? So that's the attitude God is just trying to develop in us. And it requires our thoughts and our thinking. It requires prayer, requires faith, requires decision. When we visited here um, about three years ago before we moved, I was building a, a coffee table for Amy. I went to Lowe's in the evening, probably about 8 o'clock. And I was leaving. I saw a lady. There's a, you all know probably where Lowe's is, but as you go to the main road out there, uh, Gibsonton Drive, there's a stop sign, then you make a right, and then you get to the, to, the, to the main road. There was a young gal just sitting against the stop sign with a little sign, and I just stopped for a second, rolled down the window, and I said, uh, how are you doing? And she, and I immediately just handed her, I think, two or three dollars, something like that. But as I talked to her just a little bit, she really began to share some incredible needs. She said, my husband's been looking for work for a long time. He's at home right now taking care of our children. I'm just sitting out here. I'm just praying that God will, will meet some of our very, very basic needs. And I said, you know, I'm going to pray for you. And I left, and I drove, turned right, and I was going down uh, towards Amy's house. And just God just kind of bugged my heart. You ever had God bug your heart a little bit? And um, I said, 
I said, I, th I thought, I said, you know, I should give her something different. So I actually, I don't like to retrace my steps. Whenever I drive my car someplace, I really want to get there. But I actually turned around, came back, uh, gave her 20 bucks. And I just said, I just said, God wanted me to do that. And I'm sure you're doing the same. And the point is just by, by doing good things for people, the gospel gets shared, people come to Christ, and we get blessed. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for all the immense amount of blessings that we have. I think of that song, Lord, count your blessings. Name them one by one. It'll surprise you what God has done. I think, Lord, um, I know that for Melody and I, for our kids, for our family, for our grandkids, even for these couples taking Ryan and Amy on a, a trip and blessing them, there's so much generosity here, Lord. I just pray that you'll keep us as generous people, that you'll grow us, that you'll help us to be generous to even people who are not nice to us. Maybe people where we work with or people we just run into or whatever it happens to be, Lord, because you did that. And as you went about doing the right thing and giving to others, even healing and blessing and teaching, people came to you. People received Christ. And, Lord, if there's someone here, even this morning, who's not yet said, Jesus, come into my life. Realize that God is the great giver and he will come into your life and bless your life and lead your life and it'll be great. Won't be problem free, but it'll be great. So God, I just thank you that um, we have time to share in your word this morning in Jesus' name. Amen.